So Duncan Green on From Poverty to Power, and I've got a great special guest today. Uh, Jockey Jehu is the Pan-African coordinator of the Fight Inequality Alliance, which to me means she's the big boss, but she says she isn't. Um, I'm sure that's just false modesty. Anyway, uh, I had dinner with Jockey last night, and we had a great time, and I wanted to just get her on tape talking about some of the issues she confronts being a feminist inequality activist in a pan-African setting. So welcome, Jockey. Thank you. Um, maybe, maybe you should start off just telling us a bit about the Fight Inequality Alliance and what mm, you do in the region. Mm. So I do want to say that it's not false modesty because part of the way in which we are trying to work in doing the Fight Inequality Alliance, yes, I may have a lot of influence, I may have a very specific responsibility as a coordinator, but that we are really working in a way whereby we recognize that different people have different contributions and valuable contributions to make. I stand so, corrected. Yes, uh, and so and it and it's not an easy thing to do because you the Fight Inequality Alliance is this broad alliance and has everybody the INGOs it has Oxfam it has Action Aid it has Greenpeace it has Amnesty it has Civicas it has you know Dandora Hip Hop City it has a Beautiful Minds organization that works on mental it has all of these people and so how do you when you come around the table manage those dynamics, those power relationships and all of that. And we are really pushing to have this happen. And it, I, I say it's a dance uh, that no one really knows the steps. Because even for these small organizations to be told, Oxfam is here, they are not the leader, they don't get to say how you do. But they are so used to looking up to Oxfam or to ActionAid or to Greenpeace that actually they have to be told, really, it, you know, you have every right, you have as equal standing, you have, you know, they, it's, it, it takes a while for people to kind of believe that that is how we are trying to How do you do that? Work. Because you repeat it, you repeat it and, 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 um, you, and you practice it. Do you model it and sort of, of tell course. Oxfam they're talking rubbish and that, that <laughs> liberates other people? <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, and I, and I think that, you know, for the INGOs, for Oxfam and others, they've been hearing this and, and, and some individuals better than others. But you know, like, I, I, you know, I know Winnie is leaving, but I want to pay a particular tribute to her. We went last year. I was part of a delegation, Fighting Equality Alliance delegation, that uh, we went to Norway, and Winnie was part of it. And we got a lot of doors open, including meeting the uh, the Prime Minister because Winnie was there, and she would not, she would identify herself and her title at Oxfam talk about being part of Fighting Equality Alliance, and then introduce us and say, they know this better than I do. And I mean, she modeled it time and time and time again. And you, you start in these rooms where people are addressing her because she is Winnie. Uh, and in other contexts, it's different. It might be you, you know, Duncan from you know, London School of Economics, people sit up. Yeah. But if you model that and you repeat that, they then actually begin to address and see the other people in the room. And this is what we are talking about when we talk about fighting inequality and understanding that people have agency, they have analysis, they understand their situation, you know, uh, in a way that... Uh, in fact, people coming in sometimes don't don't see it. We work a lot, and one of our key uh, 
alliance members is the Dandora Hip Hop City. So they're based in Dandora, which is the biggest dump site in Nairobi. And when you go there, you can see the mountain of garbage. And so around Davos, we talk about the two mountain tops, the one of garbage and the one in Davos. You can see the garbage and you can smell it. But I always say to people, if you don't pay attention, that's all you see. You see the garbage, you smell the garbage. But if, you, if you're paying attention, you see messages, you see graffiti, you see signs for organizations working on peace, on youth, on art, on all kinds of things. Um, but you have to actually even be oriented in a different way, that you're going there not as a savior, not as someone who has the answers, but someone who has... Uh, solidarity to offer someone who has something to learn, someone who is there to um, to listen. And with the Fighting Equality Alliance, that's part of what we're trying to really model about the leadership of these grassroots organizations, these community-based organizations, of these people who are artists, who speak in very clear, very um, profound ways that you would you know, uh, you may do a five-page paper to say what a rap artist may say in a stanza and, and who will then communicate far more clearly and, to, and, and resonate with a lot of, of different people. But of course, there has to be substance. It has to be backed up by data. It has to be backed up by evidence. So we are saying, you know, inequality is about services, it's about resources, it's about information, it's about money, it is about land rights, it's about gender-based violence, it is about, and you can go on and on and on, and, but then you back it up with the, with the data and with the information that shows where the, the inequality is, where the inequality is and how it happens and what to do to, in order to address it. So you're bringing together experience and analysis. You're bringing together um, grassroots organizations and international organizations and mm -hmm. trying to get a kind of decent conversation yes. going between mm -hmm. all of them. Mm -hmm. In your experience in the region, what are the kinds of inequality that African organizations, African individuals, African communities really care about? What, so Because you can have inequality in anything. Yeah, yeah. So what's your... What are your big dimensions of inequality? Well, the, the issue that actually brought me to the Fighting Equality Alliance table is women's land rights. Um, the fact that African women, according to the UN, produce between 70 and 80% of the food that is con uh, consumed in rural areas, but across the continent, African women hold to title to less than 6%. Wow. Uh, of the land. So the, the, their contribution and the power and the ownership they have of the resources that they lead to their contribution are, you know, worlds apart. Um, but uh, so it's about power. It's about, in, when you think about women land rights, it's about power. It's about economy because if you have land, you can go to a bank, you can take a loan, you can offer collateral for all different kinds of things. You can, even when you go for something as simple as a visa, you know, uh, to come to the UK, for instance. <laughs> That's um, not simple. No, it's not. But, you know, they always say you have to prove that you have ties that will make sure, that will ensure that you come back. So, when, what are ties? So, you, maybe you have a bank statement that both shows you, are, you have the money to support yourself. But if you have a title deed that reads Joki Jehu, 
you know, half an acre of land, um, it will say you have ties. But most women don't even have that to, you know, to, to offer as evidence. Mm -hmm. So it is power, it is access, it is influence, it is a lot of different things. As we sit here speaking, for instance, again, my, my, my favorite issue, they have decided there's a, there was a restructuring and now there's something called the land control board at the local level. Those are the people who sit and hear um, and authorize land transfers. So if you want to give an inheritance to your children, you have to show up with your wife and all your kids and they say, yes, we agree, blah, blah, blah. Um, before it was all men, almost exclusively men. The, so this is the second round. The first time ended, they are, they are renewing the terms and they've sent out information saying it's time for people to apply. But one of the conditions is that you must be a landholder in the jurisdiction the, whereby you're going, where you are applying to be on the land. So it perpetuates board. the male. Yes, and a lot of women are not going to be able to make it. And we said this last time around, we said this is unacceptable because it means that most women don't, don't qualify. And how that uh, requirement is operationalized at the local level, if you have a good you know, deputy county commissioner who is the chair, they can say they can ignore that and look at the other the other criteria. But you know, education is part of that, and you know your uh, educational uh, credentials. But then again, when you look at women and access to education and how far they go to in education, maybe here they would go to the what might be the equivalent of all levels, if that far, or maybe just primary school for many of them of a certain age, uh, primary school you know, um, maybe all levels, but, you know, all of those things are things that perpetuate the, the inequality. So women land rights is an issue, health is an issue, education is an issue, but all of these things, the thing is, um, and, it, it, and it's important for people to understand that when we talk about inequality, as a woman, I will experience a violation of my land rights, I will experience a limitation of my access to education. I will go to a hospital that doesn't have the services that I am, health services that I need. I am also the one who is living in a community where insecurity or water services or um, uh, garbage pickup doesn't even exist. I am still the same person. So um, when we are looking at inequality, I may be at an organization that, in this case, works on women's land rights as one of the issues, but there are all these other issues that actually affect me. So the way in which we are working to organize is so that I sit at the table as a women's land rights activist. There's somebody who works on SGBV, there's somebody who works on extrajudicial killings, there's somebody who works on mental health. You name all of these issues. And we get to talk and understand what are the issues and challenges in our own usual areas, in our own usual silos. But again, there are silos that don't even make sense because the, the, that woman whose land is mm. being taken and away silos is also, in her life. Yes, yeah. they, they, it is the same, you know, and you will have people speaking very eloquently about all of these issues. I want to give you an example quickly. We just did a video on fight inequality alliance 
as Fighting Equality Alliance, where we interviewed four activists here in Kenya. There's one in the Philippines, one in the UK, one in Mexico, but I want to talk about the Kenyan one. There's a young man named Javan, and Javan, uh, he's a poet, he's actually known popular as Javan the, the poet. He writes poetry, obviously he raps, and his main, if you ask him, he tell you that he works on extrajudicial killings, because he comes from a community where young men especially are being arrested and killed by the police. But interestingly, when he was interviewed and he was talking, he's very eloquent about women land rights hmm. because of the experience of he and his mom um, who was dispossessed of her land rights. And so he does talk about all of those things and, and when he does the, the section of the video where he is in, he is talking, he's rapping, and it's about extrajudicial killings, but the bit that he talks about most of the time is about women land rights. So it is this young man who, if you saw him, and you had he lives in Dandora, you would think he as is true, that he knows a lot about extrajudicial killings. He might be an activist on extrajudicial killings, which he is, but he was actually the most eloquent Okay. Uh, on, and, and the two women who were, because they are two men and two women, they never talk about, they did not talk about women land rights. So this is the thing that I think we are learning, that the whole person is affected by inequality in different ways, and we need to be able to speak to that and okay. speak to it with clarity. I obviously have to put the video up on the blog at the same time, so I'll do that. That's, ah, okay. that's not a problem. Um, okay, so you... So you're clearly a feminist. Yes, I am. <laughs> I don't think there's much doubt about that. Yeah. Um, and you spend a lot of time talking to other feminists in Kenya and elsewhere in Africa, mm -hmm. but you also talk a lot to feminists around the world. Mm -hmm. So I'm just, is there such a thing as African feminism? Is, is there some difference, you think, overall, between the way feminists see their role in Africa or in sub-Saharan Africa and outside, or is it a single thing? It's, of course, it's not a single thing. And, um, it is both a very simple and a very complicated um, uh, issue to talk about. Because the fundamental issues about uh, feminism are about power. And so one of the things that comes up when we talk about African feminism is to understand the multiplicity of oppressions even within women's communities in that uh, as an African woman, as a black woman, there are times when in my interactions with, um, with other women, the, the issue of white privilege comes into play, the issue of economic privilege comes into play. We see it all the time. For instance, I want to give you a very concrete thing with the Commission on the Status of Women that happens at the UN every March. For African women who, young and old, who are trying to go to the UN, they have to get a US visa. And hundreds of women each year are denied visas to the US. Um, as a, as, as a, even a black woman in the UK, by virtue of having that UK passport, that's not a question for you. That's not a worry. So we have young, up and coming young women who, uh, who would really have a lot to contribute and, and to... Um, and gain a lot as well. And, and gain a lot and, and teach a lot. You know, mm -hmm. imagine if Greta had been a Zambian young woman. There are so many things that would have been cl close off to her. 
first of all, I don't think she would have gotten that prominence anyway, but even how she's able to travel and, and to get to New York and all of, the, all of those kinds of things, that would not have been possible for a young African woman without extreme effort, time, energy, emotion, and all of those things. It would probably happen. You know, you end up having Greenpeace or Oxfam or even uh, um, a mission, you know, uh, at the UN that you know, vouches for you and supports your visa application, but it takes so much. So, it, it, you know, the feminisms are different, but it is also at the heart of power is where we, 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 we come at, but understanding also the, uh, the, the different power dynamics even within uh, feminist movements and, and, and f feminist spaces. So which is why you know, there was a book that was very popular in the 80s called Sisterhood is Global. And as the unpacking of that started happening, people were like, ah, yeah, n not so much. No, you know, you need to be a little bit more critical. And so for African feminists, both in terms of also how we approach uh, different kinds of issues that are feminist issues, that are women's rights issues, that are gender justice issues, where um, uh, uh, how, we, how we treat African women, that they have their own agency, that they have their own uh, analysis, that they have their own understanding of the situations in which they work. You know, the, the kinds of things that a feminist in the U.S. can do to express their feminism are very different from how I might be able to express. It doesn't mean I might... Can you give me an less. example? So, um, what, uh, let me think of an example. Um, so, actually, this is one that I gave at the London School of Economics when last year with the elders we had a forum on, on inequality and um, I was asked about the Me Too movement and, you know, how it has affected feminists and women organizing on the African continent. And I did point out to, uh, to the assembled uh, uh, people that the issue of Me Too came in the case of, not forget other countries, in the case of Kenya, where we had had My Dress, My Choice. And the My Dress, My Choice protest had been a situation where especially young women were getting stripped in public, uh, especially in public transport. And in one case, a young woman was brutally sexually violated uh, and stripped and uh, uh, physically violated using a soda bottle in a public, uh, in a matatu, uh, because they say that she was indecently dressed. So a lot of women then organized what they said, my dress, my choice. And uh, it changed the, the conversation. Now, it doesn't mean that, uh, you know, so I say my dress, my choice, but I also understand in the same way, not just whether how my dress is long or short, is that if I wear bling bling, if I may use that uh, <laughs> slang, and go in certain places in this town or even in London, I am gonna be a target. So how I express my feminism in Kenya uh, is very different. It's going to be very different from how I might express it in Washington DC where I lived for 10 years. It, it, those, those realities 
uh, are there, those realities we have to contend with. Now, I do want to say that the end of the story about My Dress, My Choice is that there is an, a Kenyan feminist who is um, doing a show and has been organizing and invited women and, uh, and other Kenyans to send photos because in the 70s, you know, minis were fashionable. I mean, like everybody wore them. And so, you know, she's invited people because, again, there's this, even the way patriarchy works, to put us down and to shut us up as African feminists, to say, oh, that is Western, that is, you know, that is now, that, you know, all these different kinds of things. So she's invited people to send photos of their mothers and grandmothers in their mini dresses, and she's <laughs> curating a show for that. But it, it is to say that, um, you, how you then, as an African woman, as an African feminist, express your feminism, how you confront power is very, uh, sometimes very pointed, may look to someone else who thinks, oh, we're done with this, you know, uh, the question of what I dress, how is that a feminist issue, to say this is my here and now. And also to remind people that, you know, feminism, some people say that feminist, feminism is a, an alien concept. And of course, the, the Patricks in, in our context, the, the African uh, men who are playing that role of enforcing the patriarchy and the patriarchal women who support them will say it is a foreign issue or it is a foreign concept, a foreign tradition, is to look back and say, here is an example. Here is an example of my mother and her siblings back in the 60s standing up to their father and saying, no, you're not going to take a second wife. You know, if I do that now, they'll say, oh, she's, you know, she, you know, she lived in the US. She's westernized, she's Americanized. But, you know, so you have to, we, it's almost like, like we are forced to legitimize and to, to show to show the evidence all the time. Uh, and we show that evidence within our own context, as well as within the context of where we are dealing with other, um, other feminists. Because somehow, um, uh, because of power um, and the relationships that exist, you have to say, you know, you have to call them on their power, the way they exercise it you know, seen and unseen, behind the scenes power, the power of narrative, how the narrative is told, um, is uh, some of the ways in which as Afri African feminists we have to continue to assert our right to define, to self-define as African feminists and as feminists who are part of a global uh, movement or global feminism. Well, Joki, I think you've just given a brilliant example of how that works. Mm -hmm. um, we've run out of time, sadly, yeah. but uh, for people who want to know more, go and look at the Fight Inequality Alliance website. I'll put the video on the blog. And Joki Jehu, thank you very much for coming on. Thank you for having me.